Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Annabelle Atanasios makes her directorial debut with this critically acclaimed film, Mickey and the Bear. It stars Camilla Marone and James Badgedale. The film is about facing personal responsibility as uh, as Mickey takes care of her father, who is uh, dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, uh, opioid addiction, and a number of other issues. She tries as an 18-year-old, soon-to-be 18-year-old, to make her way in the world. And it is this relationship between father and daughter that really informs this film. It is a remarkable film on so many different levels. I'm thrilled to be able to welcome to the program uh, the director and uh, writer of the film, Annabelle Atanasio. Annabelle, welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You're very welcome. And I connected with this film on so many levels and and immediately. And so much of this has to do with the uh, work of the two primary leads in the film, uh, Camilla Marone and James Badge Dale, and their rather complicated, complex characters that they are playing. But uh, uh, on top of everything else that they're dealing with, they're very humanizing, and, and in a way, they really invite you into their world based on their vulnerabilities and their and the way that their humanity shines through, even under the most difficult of circumstances. Uh, and it's the story as well. But tell me a little bit about where this story for uh, Mickey and the Bear uh, first came from. So, I, a little over five years ago, I was still in school, and I had just begun writing my own material. Um, I came up as an actor, so before that I was mostly acting, but always had a real love for writing. I don't know, I was really interested in, in the codependent dynamics that manifest in families. And I was interested in the inherited trauma that can happen between a parent and child. And that's kind of where the dynamic between Mickey and Hank came from. I, I loved the film Fish Tank, and I, you know, movies movies that led us into a really complex female experience, which there aren't enough of. Um, so I think I was interested in in contributing my own narrative in that in that canon. And mm-hmm. then in terms of the veterans and uh, issues and the backdrop of Montana. When I thought of trauma and I thought of grief, I thought instantly of the research I had already been doing in school about veterans' lives and veterans' families. And so I applied for a grant through NYU Gallatin to research these things in a small town in Montana, which happened to be Anaconda. I always had the intention of filtering the research through the lens of an narrative film. Speaking of Fish to Fish Tank, I always really admired uh, the processes of Andrea Arnold and Sean Baker and filmmakers that fuse real communities and, and stories of real people uh, with narrative filmmaking that has a beginning, middle, and end. That process was always something that really resonated with me, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm so glad you brought up those filmmakers. Uh, Sean uh, Baker... With his films, I think you're absolutely Tangerine and um, Florida 
Florida Project and others, they're absolutely right in that in the way that they're able to weave into the tapestry of a surrounding something that feels so seamless. It seems like it it's absolutely belongs there. Uh, and I think of uh, Ramin Barani as someone else who is in that who works in that vein. There are a number of filmmakers who operate very well in that environment, and uh, I think you're what you're talking about is ex- exactly what this feels like. It, you obviously took some time to get to know this community. You spent time in Anaconda, Montana, where it was filmed. Yeah. Uh, how long were you there before you started writing or, you know, how, how long did it take for that sort of to, to seep into your, into your process of putting this together? It was actually kind of an organic thing where somehow the narrative story of these two people and then the research and then later the trip in in, in Anaconda kind of went hand in hand. Mm-hmm. I would say I always envisioned the story of a girl and her dad. And I always kind of envisioned playing with these tropes of, uh, or sorry, not really tropes, but the roles assigned to women at birth of daughter, wife, mother, and, and you know, and other things as well, but never really just human being. I would say the research really informed the details of the movie and particularly um, the details of the way she takes care of Hank and the way Hank functions as a human. There was, I don't know. They, it just For me, there's no delineation between the imagined idea and the research or the real-life experience. Right. There are things in, in uh, Mickey and the Bear... There are clues that you leave us at the beginning of this film that I uh, and that play out over the course of the film, which is a hallmark of good filmmaking, generally speaking. But I love the fact that as the character of Mickey, she is a heroine in this film, and she is she is mm-hmm. bowed but unbroken. And what and the way that you and mm-hmm. the way that that plays out in the film is so special. In in that um, she 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 plays a woman of her age appropriately. I mean, it feels exactly very familiar for someone who's going through what she's going through with the boyfriends and school and where she's going to go, what she's doing the rest of her life, and then all around her, the sort of the the uh, the fireworks around her in her relationship with her father, Hank, um, yeah. are. Are the way they're able to to pull those elements into her their home life and her outside of their her home uh, was something that is critically important to the success of the film. And uh, if you wouldn't mind sort of spending some time to explain sort of how you what your approach was in that regard, how you wanted that to be such a a center po- a center point for the film. Well, I love that you said she's bound, but what was the other word I you said used? bowed but unbroken in the film, her character. Ba- I, lo- I, I, love, I love that description. I don't know. I, I would say, for me, we wanted to really focus on the love between these people because the script inherently gets dark. I think that the... The test of a really great drama is it has a lot of levity to it and humor and, you know, even with the opening, the choice of the opening song um, and the the colors of the font and the opening titles is really intentional Yeah, because 
I don't even even if a situation is grim, I think especially people of Anaconda who have so much resilience are so uh, prideful and so positive in the face of a lot of hardships. I just didn't think making this movie be very grim all the time made sense for the place and the spirit of this town either. So I don't know. I would say always I felt like scenes were more interesting if Hank said something really mean, but he said it with a smile almost. Because for me, when people don't realize that they're being really cruel, like when it's that's even worse than being pointed with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would, as far as Hank and James Badge Dale's performance, I always liked him. Although his actions were irresponsible, immature, dangerous at times, uh, his relationship with his, with his daughter is emotionally abusive. But there is this part of him, this window into his character that, uh, that James is able to to uh, manifest that you you're rooting mm-hmm. for him. You want him to be a better person, and it, it's a very very fine line in the film. Very fine line that he walks, and oh, yeah. and he's a broken man. So we we get that part of it, and but his ability to be able to uh, to skate up against some really really horrible behavior and still have us care about what happens to him is a testament to him and to you as a director to be able to pull that from his from his character talk talk a little bit about uh, James you. Badge Dale in this in this in this uh, role what, what attracted you about him when you were considering um, considering him for the part of Hank uh I told this story a couple of times, but it's true. <laughs> I was considering, you know, looking at looking at a bunch of actors. It's not a full story. Um, I was considering, <laughs> I was looking at actors, and you know, I don't know. I because I come from an acting background, I have a really clear sense of what I'm looking for, mm-hmm. um, just in terms of an actor, not even in terms of type, but just in terms of the spirit of the actor. And I was really looking for two people who are really alive uh, consistently which is what I wound up finding in Cammy and Badge. What really put it over the edge for me that Badge was this person was his scene in Flight, which is this heartbreaking scene where he's only in, he's only in at this one moment, but he plays a cancer patient um, and he's in this stairwell. Um, and I kind of didn't have a lot of context for the movie, but I saw this scene and he, he's this tragic figure, but playing it with so much joy and so much, so much life. I guess, in the face of death. And that's kind of Hank. He's never going to get better. And that's a reality that he actually probably knows. It's a pit of his stomach. So the fact that Badge was the kind of actor who wasn't milking the tears and wasn't milking the drama and actually took the tragedy of the situation of the character and said, you know what, I'm going to flip this entirely and play this with heart and pride and joy... I was like, that's Hank to me. In terms of the shoot, like, that's what we always did is we really, we, we tried to, to really lean into Hank's confidence and bravado and then layered underneath it is the darkness um, and the insecurity and the fear. Um, I don't know. I yeah. think it's a, lot more, it's a lot more harrowing to me because, you know, this is meant to be somewhat of a harrowing story. 
Um, it, 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 it freaks me out way more when a, a person is kind of like smiling through something really threatening. It, it's almost like, I don't know. It's almost like looking at a clown mask or something like that. You're like, why are you, you're, you're, you're saying, you're looking at me like you want to kill me, but you're smiling. Um, that's like, I think that that's like the most confusing thing for anyone to look at. Um, so we played with a lot of that once we, once we shot. Yeah. For me, that description is that, that demonstrates a level of, uh, sociopathic inclinations. If someone is, so counterintuitive in their in their manner as opposed to their actions. There's something you're right. It's it's mm-hmm. harrowing. It really truly is. And, and I want to remind our listeners that we're speaking with the director and the writer of the uh, film Mickey and the Bear, Annabelle Adanasio. That we're talking about Mickey and the Bear, and it is opening here in Los Angeles. Uh, I want to say it's at the New Art Theater, starting on Friday, November twenty second. Uh, so you'll be able to mm-hmm. check that out, and I believe you're in town for a Q and A at the uh, at the New Art on the 22nd. Yep. Fantastic! Uh, yeah, on the 22nd, 23rd, and 24th, we're doing Q and As, uh, and it's me and the cast. Oh, so oh my god! That'll be really, really fun. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, that's the 7:30 screening for those of you who are uh, who want to go and see the cast and and Annabelle talk about uh, Mickey and the Bear. Fant- that's great. That's fantastic. Friday, November 22nd. So today you can go up to the uh, cool. New Art Theater and see uh, the the cast of Mickey and the Bear as well as the director. And uh, the anyone else from the, the, the crew going to be there with you for that or is it just cast? It's just the three of us. Okay. Um, but I'm hoping my wonderful producer Lizzie comes. Okay. Um, she's on another movie right now, but she'll be there at some point. Um, the three of us love paneling together we love we love getting to be up there together so we're very happy fantastic that we get to do it again well go up and spend the lost weekend with uh annabelle atanasio as well as uh you'll be able to see camilla marone and james badge dale and it'll be great. It will be great. So uh, there's no better experience than to go to a film and see uh, the filmmaker there to talk about the work. And it is uh, it is quite an experience. I cannot let you get away without talking about uh, the work of you and the cinematographer, Con- uh, Connor Murphy. Uh, the work here is... Speak of the devil. Speak of the devil. It is superb. <laughs> it is superb. Is he, does he happen to be in the area? Or is that where... Uh, yes, he is fantastic uh, in, 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 his, in his work here. Uh, I, I assume there was a lot of collaboration going on. This is a small budget film. You guys were probably run and gun. A lot of this stuff was probably very quick, but it looks like a film that you spent a lot of time thinking about and how you were going to put it together, what it was going to look like, the color scheme, the close-ups, the, the long shots, all of it. It just feels just spot on. Talk about that, please. Oh, thank you. Yeah. That's very kind. I'm sure he's at camera image or camera image or however you say it right now um, <laughs> with the movie. So I'm sure his ears are ringing from Poland. <laughs> uh, Connor Connor is is fantastic. You know, he what's interesting, I think part of the reason why I, I wanted to work with him was in in the interview, he brought such... Uh, understanding of character and story to the table. And what, what's, I think, really cool about Connor is, like, he 
he's so wildly gifted in terms of framing and lighting and composition and even operating. Um, but that's not really at the forefront for him. He is really he's really cares a lot about the story more than anything. I think my first really big acting gig was working on Soderbergh's The Nick. So I fell in love with his economic approach to shooting and the way he would like shock all of us by the way he would shoot scenes. I was like, I want to be like that. <laughs> um, and, and, and shoot really inventively the way he does. So I think Connor was like very, very much into that as well, that I like didn't have, I didn't have like a traditional approach to the way I wanted to shoot things. But Connor and I, I don't know, we, when we got together, we, we boarded the movie like four or five times over. Um, and he always likes to say the storyboards by the end are like completely illegible. You can't <laughs> understand, like there's no, and the trailer was such a challenge to shoot and spatially. It was so challenging because there's just like, the walls were not movable. There's only a certain amount of space you have. So part of why we shoot in these, well, on these like 14 millimeter lenses a lot of the time is I, I like the look of it too, but also it's kind of necessity because we just don't have the luxury of distance. And I think that, that that wound up making for a very claustrophobic, yet yet we're shooting in wide, but somehow I think also it's just kind of claustrophobic movie. What's well, interesting, Connor and I have very different approaches. Oh, no, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I can uh, go on forever no, about yeah, him, yeah. So I have to stop. No, because, you you know, and this is kind of geeky to go on down this road maybe, but there was a lot of establishing shots with people as close-ups, and then and then you would move out a little bit. Though I just like the, the sort of the rhythm of the look of the way it was shot, but it was just so well done. <sighs> no, no questions. <laughs> I just wanted to talk about how yeah. that that sort of conscious decision on your part, you know, move in and out on on the characters, and then you know that sort of the rhythm of that of the scenes that that uh, as it plays out, and that's editing yeah. as well. So if you want to throw throw that in the mix, but uh, is that am I on the right track here? Am I speaking uh, correctly about? Yeah. The, no, I'm. Thank you. No, we I de we definitely had like an, a sort of exacting approach to editing um, and and to shooting. I think I don't know. We just in in terms of both, we just didn't want to be gratuitous and like over cover scenes. Um, so so like rarely did we do coverage. But at the same time, we had an amazing producer in the movie who would remind me. Um, but also our VP, that like sometimes you do need just one other point of coverage because then you have at least you know you have one way to condense the scene. Yeah. So that was kind of a an essential reminder because you know you like to think that like oh we can just do it in a wide and it's like no you do need to do at least one other angle. That works because you had great characters, you had great actors, and they convey so much with facial expressions. And so it's it's all of these things kind of working together that make what I'm talking about work. What I'm you know work so well is that it just be it's this confluence of these elements in the acting and the editing and mm -hmm. the shooting that I just again I just it's this has all the elements that I when I think of well-done film and uh whether it's independent or it's big budget this is what it should have in it and um 
So congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> well, hey, I want Yeah. I'm very flattered. Well, well, you did the work. I'm just here to to uh, convey my my perspective and and the work is is all here and this film uh, needs to be seen by as many people as humanly possible, and that would be Mickey and the Bear. It is opening here in Los Angeles at New Art Theater uh, starting on Friday, November 22nd. Uh, so check it out. Uh, Annabella Adenasio will be there along with uh, the, with uh, Mickey, Camilla Morone, and as well as Hank, and that's James Badge Dale, for those screenings at the 730 screening at the New Art and I look so forward to more of your work, uh, Annabelle. To, uh, and I'm sure you're getting offers. I'm sure you've got your own uh, some great stories to tell. And um, gosh, I hope you come back when that happens. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, anytime, anytime. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.